Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. going everyone this is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monis for an episode of the Go Long podcast brought to you by Hamburg Brewing Company we are not at Hamburg right now we're remote uh, some scheduling stuff but we're of course drinking some HBC as always our our great sponsor we love them they hosted our uh, first live event too last week Jim that was a great time yeah, good to be back, Tyler. I got I got some Lakeview Lager going right now that you know we always have Hamburg on. You know, try to have it on hand. And that live event was cool. It was great meeting everybody. And then that draft extravaganza that you did, I'm still worn out. I gave the best <laughs> effort I could give on that first night. But I will tell you this: Mel Kiper ain't got nothing on you. I'll say that. Well, he's not breaking these picks down with uh, with a whiskey and an IPA in hand. What? Let's let's talk about this. Would the draft coverage be better if everybody was drinking for five hours? No Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. The truth comes out when you've got a couple beers in you. So I, I think you would really get the Roger. You're not getting the watered down ESPN NFL no. network. You know, it's not going through a filter. It's 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 the real we, deal. Whoever was on that happy hour they all know we, we heard some really good stories we did a lot of fist fist bump you know <laughs> we broke it down we broke down some of the who's bullshitting who's not um oh you know what i wanted to say today's may 4th we're shooting this pot on may 4th right now and so th- you're gonna you're this is gonna be a crazy story you're, you're gonna laugh but there's a movie called owning mahoney it was it was released in may 4th a long time ago, I don't remember the exact date, but 
It's one of my favorite gambling movies I've ever watched. Rounders is probably my favorite gambling movie. This is my second. It's called Owning Mahoney. And the star is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I think is always was one of the greatest actors. You know, he's a degenerate gambler. And in this movie, there's a scene where he runs back into his to call his bookie because he was running around and he, he picked up the phone, called his bookie, and he was in such a rush. He told the bookie, give me all the away teams in the American League. And he's talking about baseball. He picked up his phone. He said, give me all the away teams in the American League and give me all the home teams in the National League. So May 4th for me is a special day because every May 4th, I simply do what he did. Is that I take right? all, I bet on every away. So there's 15 damn baseball games today, which it doesn't always fall that way. But I did every away team in the American League and every home team in the National League. It's like, it's insane. It's stupid. I, I'll win or lose a couple bucks, whatever. But, um, it's just one of those days that I always love and nobody else can. I called it uh, Oni Mahoney Day, May 4th. And then we get Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You know? So we we have some good times here in early May. Definitely. You know what? It just made me think of a, a funny gambling story. As as you know, Jim, not not much of a gambler myself. May invest in a sports card here and there, but not much of a gambler. But uh, it just reminded me uh, when Gina, my, my wife, and I were on our honeymoon, we went to – Actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't our honeymoon. It was a year before we got married in the Bahamas, and we're down there on vacation. And we met a couple that was on their honeymoon down there. And uh, they were super nice. You know, you hit it off with a couple when you're on vacation, and we're on the same age. Everything's good. They just got married, newlyweds. Love is in the air. The next day, they're at the pool, same spot, and I sense some tension, man. There's some there's some really bad tension going on. And uh, his wife left. I'm like, dude, what? Like, everything okay? He's like, I already know no, what happened. No. Yep. And so we're, we were in Atlanta, the Bahamas. There's a big casino down there. He's like, I just lost all of our wedding money. Mm-hmm. He literally gambled away all mm-hmm. of their wedding money, which I'm guessing it was quite a bit. They, they, for whatever reason, they just brought it all down, and he lost it all. So that's all I needed to hear, Jim, to know not to uh, go down that road. If I would just be lost. I know there's an art to it. There's a science. There, there's a – Everybody's got their own methods, but um, yeah, I not, not the way you really want to start a marriage, you know, not not the not the best first week as a as newlyweds, I would think. Gambling, it, that story, I already knew as soon as you said they were having problems right after the first day, and there, <laughs> I knew exactly what you were going to say because I'm telling you, it's the quickest way that marriages can end is once. Once they realize their husband can't control himself gambling and they're doing the right, they should leave their husband, like leave him. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't listen to our podcast. I don't think. <laughs> I was going to say, just, like you're, you're in your living no. room there. Is she out of earshot? But I'm just saying you really, it, it's a, it's, I always tell people don't gamble. Don't, don't ever do it. But Hey, let's, let's have a good, it's Oni Mahoney day. It's fun. It is. It if is. you can control yourself and have fun with it, gambling is great. If you're trying to do it to make a living, I wish you the luck. Yeah, the guy in Jeopardy did, right? James Holzhauer? Was that his name? I, I respect him. I, he was I, I fun, really respect- man. He should yeah. host Jeopardy. Make him the host. Or Dr. Hey. Oz. Ooh, this might transition pretty well. Is that what you call a segue, Jim? You I did. I don't even know how that just worked, but I like it's, it. It's natural. And- it's natural. Right. So let's let's get into it. First of all, I didn't watch any of the Jeopardy episodes. Was he a good host? Did you hear or watch him? 
I didn't. We're watch talking about him. Aaron Rodgers. We got to tell right. Aaron Rodgers, uh, potential future Jeopardy host. Didn't watch a lot. I caught a, a couple episodes. Um, I don't know. He seemed okay. Kind of dry. Kind of basic. Not a lot of pop. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the that's the gig. Maybe that's what they want. But it seems to be kind of right up his alley because you know when Alex Trebek was at his best, man, he was he had that wit about him. He might you know poke a little fun at some of the contestants, but mm-hmm. you know in that role, it kind of lends itself to somebody that that is has that smirk, that smugness, you know, a, a certain element of that. But you don't want to yeah, yeah, have yeah. too much of that, you know. It could turn people off. I mean, people are kind of. You know, turning their TV on at 7:30, they you know they don't it's want to a see fine line. It's a fine it's line between yeah. You can Alex see why Aaron Rodgers would would gravitate toward that job. Though, well, for sure, Aaron Rodgers isn't afraid to replace legends. You know, he replaced Favre. Um, he's replacing Trebek. I mean, now, now who's he going? Is he going to replace? Where do we start? Drew? Where do we start he, with this? Is he going to replace? That, that was the bombshell. Is he going to replace Drew Brees in New Orleans? Well, let's let's just I don't know. This is a it's a heavy topic, but basically we got into it, and he referenced it at the top. But uh, for those that weren't able to join, it was awesome. The extravaganza, the first night of the draft, we hung out for five hours on Zoom, talked all about Aaron Rodgers, the draft. We did another three or four day two, wrapped it up for a couple hours on day three, and uh, to start it all off, man, at, at Hamburg Bruin, it was great to meet people in person. If you live around Western New York. If you listen to the podcast, if that's something you want to do, um, let me know. Like, seriously, tweet tweet at me. Send me an email, golongtd at gmail, and uh, we'll make it happen again because I love meeting people in person. You can't beat in person. But, yeah, it was around Thursday. I mean, I remember I was working on a story at Spot Coffee down in, in Hamburg. That's kind of the go-to spot. Start driving, and, man, my phone just starts blowing up, Jim. Like, my college roommate, my brother, my dad. Um, and I'm just like, what the hell's going on? So, obviously, pull over. Don't text and drive, kids. And, yeah, it was uh, the bombshell of all bombshells. Now, everybody should know, I, I think that there was a buildup to this. This didn't come out of nowhere. So, you know, everything I was told from my sources was, like, the Packers were, were pretty frustrated themselves. I mean, they they – feel like they have extended that olive branch. They are open to talking contract extensions. They they want Aaron Rodgers to be the, the quarterback of their football team. He's under contract for three more years. Yes, they drafted Jordan Love. Um, do they want to start Jordan Love right now? Probably not. You know, it's different in Green Bay. The, the the quarterbacks don't play right away. That We've talked about it. Like from Ron Wolf to Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst, they want the quarterback to have time to – develop, grow up in the scheme, all of that. And Aaron Rodgers basically, I mean, in, in his mind, it's to hell with that. <laughs> I just want MVP. I'm the best damn player in the league. I screwed up your plans. I want commitment. I want you to extend that contract in, in a way that, uh, this is me talking, basically, I mean, admits your mistake in drafting Jordan Love. You know, I, I think that – his thought process was, you know, well, you, you screwed up the draft for me. You're, I'm going to screw it up for you. You know what I mean? I'm going to expose you and and force you to play Jordan Love. And and he wants out. Like, when you're out, you're out. When you are cut out of Aaron Rodgers' life, you are cut out, whoever you are. And every leak that has been leaked 
<laughs> it's not pretty. I mean, from telling the teammates he wants out to threatening retirement, using Jeopardy as leverage, which was masterful on his part, right? I mean, because I, I think you have to take it seriously. He's an iconoclast. He's different. He's a different dude. Like, I don't think that's just a bunch of bullshit. I think he really could at least have that as leverage. And if you're the Packers, you're going to think, oh, shit, could this guy retire? So Roger's saying, hey, I, I could retire, and you could get nothing, or you could trade me and get something, and quite, in fact, quite a bit. And then, of course, there was the report uh, that he wants Brian Kudigan's gone. And I kind of find it funny, Jim. He's got a lot of friends in the media, many, many friends in the sports media. I think that's pretty obvious. And, and almost like political surrogates in a way, if you follow politics. And, and one of them uh, had a line, you know, on Twitter, like, ah, oh, you know, let's really look at the wording of this report. He didn't say fired. It was, you know, he doesn't want him there if he comes. All right, that's what he wants, obviously. So he added all up. Aaron Rodgers wants out. I don't think he's going to change his mind. I think the Green Bay Packers know Aaron Rodgers, the person, his personality how he's wired better than anybody. He's dug in. And that's why I wrote it, golongtd.com, if you subscribe. Um, if you're Green Bay, you have to trade him. I, I think he's dug in, Jim. I mean, so you've worked in front offices. I, I, I really want your perspective on this, this because yeah. I cannot imagine what's going through Brian Gutekunst's mind, Matt LaFleur's mind as the head coach. We'll get into that dynamic as well. But if you are the GM, I mean – obviously want Aaron Rodgers to be your quarterback. You obviously want to ease into the Jordan Love era, and they don't want to trade him, but you're dealing with somebody who, in a span of 72 hours, kind of went report to report to report to report on all the different ways he could get out of that contract and, and wants to get out, wants to get away from Green Bay. And, and as somebody told me, he sounds like somebody who's just done with Green Bay. So – it is, you know, I think this is kind of new for a lot of teams. It's going to happen for a lot of GMs in the NFL right now because it's never really been like this where these guys are actually, the Russells, Aaron Rodgers, are actually stepping up like the NBA has. And we've talked about this, but they're starting to feel empowered. And it's kind of a strange thing where, like, no, if you're Green Bay, you don't get rid of Aaron Rodgers. There's no way. Like, there's no way. Now, Unless you totally, totally just do this because Aaron is saying, oh, guys, I'm not playing for you, so you better trade me or I'm out. We don't know what's, what's going on, what's being said. But so you have – maybe you do listen to calls finally. I know, you know, they said Brian – you know, they all said – or LaFleur said to Shanahan, it's not happening. and They've all said it's not happening. They're probably being truthful with that. Like, I don't think they're shopping him at all. No. Um, they'd be crazy, to, right? We all know that. It's impossible to find. And we're talking about one of the greatest talents that we've ever watched play the position. So you can't get – you don't want to get rid of him. But at the same time, if he's not going to play for you, if he is making it clear, he doesn't care about the fine, I don't care about this, I don't care about losing the money, then you got to open the phones up. And it would be the most fun Yeah. Bidding war we've ever seen in the NFL. Like it, well, it, you know, shit, Green Bay started the whole free agency thing with Reggie White way back, and it would be way bigger than even that. I mean, we're talking, you could be talking three, four first round picks being offered, uh, 
players. It could be name your price. I mean, Sean, I guarantee you, like, I, I think about the Saints. I think about these teams that, you know, you look at the coaches that know they could win with Rodgers and feel confident. And, like, I look at – I just keep thinking about those teams. Denver, you know, does Denver say, hey, we have a good team. We think we have a good team. We're a quarterback away. Do they go all in? You just never know. Now, the other part of that is, is, hey, you're not going anywhere. Does Green Bay just tell Aaron, you're not going anywhere? We're not trading you. That's the part we don't know. And if they have told him that in his camp, hey, we're just so you know, you're not getting traded. We want you. You're playing. Does Aaron suck it up and play? That's that's where we just don't know. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Well but, said, Jim. But do you I, think, I think? Do you do you think? You know, it, it, Aaron Rodgers is kind of probably laughing, and I don't know anything about Jordan Love. We all know that obviously he has talent um, because they saw it in him and, and went and got him. But Aaron Rodgers is probably kind of laughing right now. Oh my God! Right? And this was planned out. I mean, every, everything no. he does is calculated. It was calculated out of the NFC Championship game when he falls to one and four in the NFC Championship game, and he. <laughs> Did not play like an MVP quarterback in that game, you know, from the, the opportunity to run it in at the end. to That was their game to win. We've talked about it. They should have won that game. They should have won that game. But he, he floated this possibility. I mean, it, it in the moments after that loss, he floats his own unknown future into the atmosphere, and he knows how, what the reaction is going to be. It, it's going to be how could Green Bay – squander Aaron Rodgers' prime. They're, they're, oh, my God, the lack of weapons, all these myths. Um, to, to your point, though, on the, I don't think money is a motivator. I, I really no. don't. I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers really – really he has more money than he knows what to do with at this point, and he'll be okay, you know, losing money, making money. I, I really don't think it's about that. I think it's about Green Bay drafting Jordan Love and – Putting in, in him in his mind, he, I don't think he can get past that. That's you know, crazy. I, to me. Is he so? It's one of two things, right, Jim? Is it is Aaron Rodgers in practice with Jordan Love, and he's say, say Jordan Love looks really good. Say he's got a really strong arm. He's athletic, and and he's looking at this and and he sees the writing on the wall. And oh man, you know I'm going to get ahead of this. You know I'm going to get. They're going to let me go after 2021, anyways. I'm going to put some pressure on them. I'm, I'm going to force my way out. Or to your point on him laughing, uh, maybe he sees Jordan Love and, and Jordan Love isn't good. Maybe he's throwing passes into the dirt and isn't picking up the offense and and uh, looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers is in, in his first year because he wasn't pretty his it wasn't pretty his first year. Great. It wasn't good. But Jordan Love and, and so <laughs> if it's that, Aaron Rodgers is like you know I'm going to expose this to the world. You sons of, you know, like I'm going to show like that you made this mistake. You wanted this guy, play him. I'm out. Um, I, I tend to think it might, it might be that because Jordan Love is young. They drafted him on, on potential, on him having this, this strong arm and this athleticism and the quick reads and, and Yost's offense at Ohio no at Utah State. Um, so that, that's the mystery. What do they have in Jordan Love? Because if, if he's good. Look, if he's good and if and you believe in him, it's easy, right, Jim? I think it's easy. So here's here's the next part of this to, to me. Bitter. Here's the next part of this to me is if if they 
were happy with what they saw with Jordan Love, and he only it would only be in practices. But if that coaching staff was like, hey, he's he's ready, I think they would shop him. That's where I think I, it's difficult. I was. That's what I think. I don't think they've seen that the, what they need to see from Jordan Love yet. And I mean, he was a game day inactive this season, it, right? He exactly. Wasn't even the number two. Wasn't active. It wasn't number two. So there's something like you're not going to see that from now. It's different with Justin Fields and Trey Lance this year going to teams that Mac Jones going to teams that have kind of quarterbacks on their last legs, you know. So I, those guys are all going to get in you know, sooner than later. They should all just start from the get-go. I, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. If I was those teams, you're starting. But they're not – they're replacing guys that aren't Aaron Rodgers. You know, they're – so Green Bay must not be completely sold yet on Jordan Love to not at least entertain some phone calls because if Jordan Love showed any type of signs of life where you think, hey, he can, this guy is everything we thought, we're going to be fine. You could build your damn team. You, you, what you're going to get offered is going to be mind-blowing. Like, well, it would be a trade like we haven't seen in the NFL. And, and to the Packers' defense, like, it, it doesn't really behoove them to even entertain it or say anything no. other than Aaron is our guy right now because no, they, I agree. post-June 1st, is, is right, when, they have to do it then, yep. Right, so why would you come out and say, hey, yeah, we're shopping them like that? No, they're good yeah. right now. But so I, they, but when it gets I, to that point, like that's the moment, right? Like, man, it's it's unbelievably fascinating. Like I would – Well, that it'll be, be their defining moment in their careers for LaFleur and Gutekus for if they open up the, the phones and take an offer and trade Rodgers, that's going to be their – there you go. You, now you, you're two years on the two, three years on the clock where you better be, you better, you better be competing for NFC championships with Jordan Love or else you're out. Well, when they drafted Jordan Love, they had to know, they know the implications. I mean, their legacies are tied to Jordan Love and, and, and you know, they know that. Well, I would say 26th overall pick, right? So it's not exactly a top five pick. It might be a lot to say legacy, but you know the implications of you have Aaron Rodgers, you're drafting a quarterback to replace him at some point. This quarterback better be really damn good because it's going to get to an awkward point at at some point. Like, you know it's going to get – I think it came earlier than they ever expected, obviously. That's what I was just going to say. I, I I think that would be the, the conversation I would love to hear from, from – I always call him Goody. I mean, Goody is – but Goody and I, I mean, we were on the road together forever, scouting in the southeast. And you can call I him Goody. I don't like it when, when journalists call him Goody, like they're all pals. Like, come on. Yeah, Goody and I hung. We, we did our beer drinking. You're on Goody terms. Everybody else get the hell out of here. Yeah, if you don't – yeah, we, we've had some good talks. And he's one of the – he taught me a lot, to be honest, as a scout. Goody, Goody, he knows his – he knows what he's doing. And I would just love to ask him, did you guys at all talk about reaching out to Aaron before you took him? Yeah. Like, did you really think about it? Did you care? Because the backlash that has happened is just insane. Like, I, I guess it hurts. I like, I mean, we all love watching Aaron Rodgers and you've done all your work on him as a person and behind the scenes, but he's under contract. Right. Like that's where, that's where I always take the green Bay side a little bit where, Hey, 
we're not trying to get rid of you. We were just drafting. We want you to play for us until you can't play anymore. Well, that's the thing, Jim. Like, <laughs> what's Aaron Rodgers afraid of? You know I what I mean? Know. You have I don't get it. One of the What's best so offensive lines in football, the best You're left fine. tackle. You have the best, maybe the best wide receiver, Marquez Valdez Scanlon, who we did a story on. I mean, he led the NFL in yards per reception. Aaron Jones, a top five, maybe a top three dynamic running back. AJ Dillon is a freaking unicorn. How did they? How did they acquire? How did they acquire all those players through the draft? Right. And they re-signed the right guys. Kenny Clark is one of the best D tackles in football. You know, a Ted. What they do? What they do? What they do to Mike Pettin when he blew that? Right? They, they fired the D coordinator. So, to me, they are supporting Aaron Rodgers. And I'm, I'm always on. You know, I was. You know, we've talked about it. I'm on your side on that. And I, I, I thought that story you did was perfect. Like, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. What, I can't believe he even cares about if they drafted Jordan Love. Exactly. What do you? Like, and also, there's this. I mean, we can't lose sight of the, the number one reason that he should love it where he is. Jim is the freedom, the freedom at the line of scrimmage. That is what he coveted. That is what drove him nuts in the past. Is he didn't respect the coaching. He would freelance. He would kind of do his own thing. It seemed like he had struck that perfect balance with Matt Lafleur, where you have this offense that works really well, a dynamic running game, yet. He can do what he wants at the line of scrimmage. He has that blessing from the coach. We had Jay Sternberger right on day two of yeah, the, the extravaganza, and he was awesome. I mean, he, he broke it right down. He said, yeah, like Aaron has that freedom, and you know what? Other quarterbacks don't. He, he knows somebody on San Francisco's offense that said, in, in San Francisco, when Kyle Shanahan calls a play, damn it, you're running that play. There might be a check or two, but you are running that play. play. In Green Bay, Jay Sternberger said there was a time when Aaron Rodgers went up there and he signaled to something that he ran in 2014. Jay Sternberger was like in high school in 2014. He didn't know what to do. Like Aaron Rodgers, that's a lot of freedom. Marquez Valdez-Scandling, the number two, number three receiver, he said the same thing. Like there's two playbooks. There's Matt LaFleur's playbook. There's Aaron Rodgers' playbook. And they went 13 and three in back-to-back years. It doesn't get better than that. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers trying to play with John Gruden in Las Vegas with that verbiage and his suffocating grip of the position? Like, good luck. How long would he last? Two months? Three months? Like, I'm with you. I don't get it. I don't know why he can't just. That's why I think he's just done with Green Bay. I think he's just done with Green Bay. There's something that he's tired of eating steaks at Chives and Suamico, and you know (laughs) you. Hey, I lived there for I lived there for four years. I was gonna years. say you know the deal. It was deal. a great four years. Trust me, I have a lot of great friends, really good friends I keep in touch with to this day. But um, he's been there for sixteen years, and you know he's gone through a few celebrity girlfriends. He's engaged now. I I don't know if that's part of it. I mean, that's we're all human. Maybe he wants to get closer to the West Coast. So you know, you're in Denver, you hop on a quick flight, you're in LA. No, this more is, to football this, too. Than, there has to be more than football too for Aaron Rodgers. Is what I'm saying. I think you're right. I think you you really did nail that by saying that, that he if you want out, you want out, and you yeah. can nitpick and, and try to say why well, one out. You didn't draft this. You didn't draft that. But the proof is you're successful. And green the proof is that Green Bay did the right thing by taking Jordan Love. Like they did. Like they're trying to sustain success. That's the number one goal when you're a GM. Let's get the quarterback, and then let's sustain success. And Green Bay, they they felt the the need to take love. That should not even bother him. 
it's not like Green Bay said, man, we're they're not trying to get him out. They weren't rushing him out. They're, they've had like they were so fun to watch this year. And you can poke holes on the defensive like they fired the defensive coordinator. Like they weren't blaming Aaron Rodgers for losing a game like that. So I'm you know, I don't know Aaron Rodgers and, and it just disappoints me sometimes like just hey man, ride this out. Like you guys have a hell of a team. You're in the NFC. So you want to get traded to an AFC team? Good luck. Good yeah, luck at Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the AFC that's, West. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So is that what you want? Good luck. Because they're not gonna I can't imagine they would trade him to an NFC team unless the deal was just so insane. But there is somebody close to him that texted me and said this is this is out of the playbook, you know, painting himself as as the victim. I mean the leak to leak to leak it, it is kind of painting himself as a victim in the situation. Now there's a lot of people that believe he is a victim here. How dare the Packers swipe right on Jordan Love when you have Aaron Rodgers? I mean Joe Thomas actually had a funny analogy. I kind of laughed on NFL Network. He said, "Oh, the Packers they were on Tinder and you know they're married, but they're on this app and they're swiping." I'm like that's it's pretty bad, you know. Um, but I mean, it's like it's 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 a callous part of the profession. If you're Brian Gutekinds and the Green Bay Packers, like you have to. You have to think about the future. To your point, you have to sustain success. Look at these teams. Look at New England. They're they're trotting Cam Newton out there, and he threw for eight freaking touchdowns last year, and they just drafted Mac Jones, 15th overall. Look at New, New Orleans. You know I'm a Jameis guy. Right now, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are your quarterbacks. You don't want to be caught in that middle ground. Like, if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, like, it, it sucks. It, it hurts a lot of people's feelings. Definitely hurt Aaron Rodgers' feelings, but you have to do it if you're Green Bay, and they did it a year later. Yeah, I mean, how else can you say it? Aaron Rodgers is painting himself as the victim here. That's that's what we're seeing. When was the last time Green Bay wasn't relevant? It's been a long time. I would say. I don't even. They even were okay with Don Mikowski, right? The mid '80s, late '80s. And my point is, if there's one reason, they always had a quarterback. And how can you fault them for, like, the proof is there. They're not, they've been, they've been relevant forever because they went from Favre to Rodgers. And you're going to see what's going to happen in New Orleans. You're going to see what's going to happen. You, know, you saw it in New England quick. Like, this is what happens when you lose these guys. You saw it in Carolina when they lost Cam Newton. I mean, it, you lose these guys, you're done. Like, yeah. you're not ready. So I don't know. I don't know why anybody questions what they're doing. There's a recipe right there. They, they've proven if you have the guy, if you have the yeah. quarterback in place, you don't have to suffer for two to three years. Right. And you're yeah. not developing a guy because he's been in the system. Right. You know Matt Lafleur's offense will be. It'll be interesting to interesting to see what it really is because it's it's been these two playbooks. It's been a blend, um, but he comes from that Shanahan offense. You know where it's it's coach centric. I, w- I would think right where it's reads one two three make a decision. I talked to somebody today who's been around Jordan Love and they said that's what he does really really well. Like he he's able to process quickly and make quick snap decisions. Now when it comes to the 
what Aaron Rodgers does really well and able to draw from a play in 2014 and know that that cornerback is vulnerable on inside. You know what I mean? All these little intricacies. He's not there yet, obviously, but I think there's some strengths there that they can draw from. And yeah, I mean, I mean, what a great position to be in. If you can have a bidding war for a league MVP that doesn't even want to be there, like what can you really get for him? I mean, let's talk hypotheticals. I mean, I, I think Aaron Rodgers views himself as LeBron James. You know what I mean? Where I'm a mercenary at this point that it can kind of go where I want. And eventually, hey, Devontae Adams, you're a free agent in 2021. Join me in Denver. And maybe Denver's thinking that too. Like, we can give up a lot for Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is going to have that LeBron effect, bring a lot of people to Colorado where, I don't know, you know, Colorado's a little different than Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I think that's the thinking from Aaron Rodgers' camp is, hey, you know, I can bring guys in like Tom Brady brought guys into Tampa Bay. Like, they're going to come. Maybe they didn't want to go to Green Bay, maybe, but they will go to Denver. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if that's the case, Green Bay would kind of win too because then Denver's thinking, well, shit, you know, hey, Jerry Judy, gone. Uh, I don't name any player. Certain, I probably don't want to give her to certain. They just drafted him, but no. three, four first round, pick, like any anything, right? Anything. I would think. I would think. Throw Teddy Bridgewater would, in there. I would think it would be. It's kind of would be fun to see what teams offer. Like I think that would be the fun of it. But man, if I'm, you know, if I'm Brian Gutekis and Lafleur, I'm just like, there's no way we we got to keep this guy. There's also this, Jim. At some point, aren't you just exhausted if you're Green yes. Bay? You're yes. exhausted if you're in that front office. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably read the story I wrote at Bleacher Report in 2019. None of this should come as a shock. No. You I, call, mean, I mean, you, this, you've this been on this This played out thing. before, yeah. and a lot of people were around then. A lot of people are around now. I, I think that everybody loves – playing with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is one of the best players in the game. That can cover up a lot. I mean, you're, you can put up with a lot of bullshit and a lot of drama when your quarterback is Aaron freaking Rodgers and he's throwing for 40, 50 touchdowns and, and doing We're, what he does. Look, and winning we saw MVP. Like it's, and I'm not saying that like that, that's not the case. Like there is a certain degree that you put up. Absolutely. Like he's that good. But at what point do you say enough? <laughs> like, I mean, it's it, – I mean, we all saw the draft. I mean, they panned that camera into the draft room. It looked like a damn morgue. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just like – it's like he just detonated a bomb and just went off to the Kentucky Derby and ha- had himself – like, <laughs> like he, was, he was probably loving that. Um, at what point do you say enough? I, mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. those guys who go to the Derby. I love it. Yeah, yeah, well. Doesn't doesn't nothing. It, it tells you that how how stressed did Aaron Rodgers look at the Kentucky Derby? Again, calculated. You know, right? Like, I, let's take this it. picture, having a look, having a good time. Having uh, fun. Hey, hope you guys figure it out. Yeah, it's 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 a. We talk a lot about player empowerment, and and I love it. I'm all pro player. Same. Right. Same. Absolutely. Love pro it. Player. It's you know it. These these guys, they're, they're the ones who make the game what it is. I think it's also you know, you know what like, I might oh, yeah. no I was just gonna say it's I think it's also a case to case basis too where it's like can't it just is. say all all these players like 
they're all right and the teams are all wrong. In this case, yeah, it's similar to Seattle, maybe too. I mean, in this case, it's like, well, what's so bad? Like, what are we missing here? I feel are we miss we're missing something. You know what I might do if I was Green Bay? I would redo his contract and make him the highest paid player in the NFL right now. I'm yeah, serious. But, but would there be an out in that contract to get out in 20? You figure, yeah, you could structure it that way. I don't but think he'd take it. I don't think he'd take it then. That would be that would be if I'm Green Bay. This is my way of saying, Aaron, shit. Okay, we get it. You're upset, but it, for some reason you're upset. Look, we think we can win a Super Bowl. We never didn't think we couldn't win a Super Bowl with you. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You want more money? Let's give you more. Because, honestly, I don't even know anything. about. I really don't know anything about Jordan Love. But I can tell you he's not in the same – there's no way you could even say he's in the same planet of Aaron Rodgers right now. Right. And this is your window. Aaron Rodgers is going to be good for the next three or four years. He just proved that. He's fine. He's healthy. He looks great. I think I just I would go all in if I'm Green Bay at this point. I would I honestly, and it goes back to our point where the player empowerment is that what you want, Aaron? You want us to make you the you know the highest paid player here for the next two or three years? Okay, we'll do it. Because if you don't, if I I'm I honestly feel that the quarterback position is that important, where I would actually probably cater to him at this point. Where you know what, you win, you win. But what? What does that entail? I mean, if we're to believe this Yahoo report, that entails removing the general manager. No, I don't think you'd have to if you're paying him. I don't think Aaron cares. At the end of that, I think you'd be okay. Hmm. You say, look, we're – Yeah, I mean, how much does money mean to him, right? Because I I could no. be, be dead no. wrong. I feel like it's more of a principled stance. No, that's, that's the point where that's where you will find out right away. Hey, Aaron, we're showing you how much we love you. We're going to make you – we're going to do, redo this thing, and you are the guy next three or four years for sure. And if he says no, then you know. He wants out, but he's done. And you know what's probably most demoralizing for the Packer fans listening to this podcast right now? They probably have already had all these conversations. I know. They probably have. I mean, they've been out to yeah. California. I mean, it came out on the draft during the draft, but like – Money talks, though. Money talks. Here's a little tidbit for you, if people missed it in our story. Green Bay was doing their due diligence on these quarterbacks in the draft. I didn't realize that. I read you when you said that. I was very interested about that. I know. But yeah. why would they be doing their work on these quarterbacks? I'll, I'll just, have... I, I don't want to sell out. Like, like It was a day two quarterback that was drafted. It was oh, a, they, oh, gotcha. It's it back was up a, a fairly premier quarterback. You know, not obviously That's fair. Zach Wilson. That's fair. Justin, but – I mean, all the top guys were in on this Zoom meeting, and this player's representatives thought that was a little odd. It just seemed a little different to see the GM sitting there asking these questions, and that tells me that they, they, they were anticipating Aaron Rodgers potentially going nuclear. I mean, they don't they, they don't know what the hell is going to happen here, and you got to be ready. Like you got in, they did obviously they didn't draft. Any they didn't draft Kyle Trask, Kellen Munn, Davis Mills, any of these guys, but I do think that that they they knew that they better be ready if they have to. Um, and you know I think they've grown frustrated in these negotiations. I think they've been willing to to bend. You know we're, that's the other thing, Jim. Like 
we're all getting everything through various outlets, right? It's yeah. all Aaron oh. Rodgers isn't speaking. Um, Brian Goodkins, Matt Lafleur, they're only going to say we want him to be our quarterback. So beyond that, it's all what's reported through all these leaks. Now that messaging is going to be very, very pro Rogers. It, I mean, the Packers don't leak. The Packers don't play ball. Like no. the Packers aren't going to be, you know, throwing chum in the water to different media outlets or different reporters. I mean, trust me, I, I was on the beat for five years. They ain't going to do it. So we're going to hear Aaron Rodgers side of things quite a bit, which is going to create I, what, what I think to be kind of this um, false narrative that the Packers have screwed them. How dare they do this? How dare they do that? Oh my, like, I, I think that that is a reason that, that you see that when you turn on the TV outside of Michael Robinson and NFL network, who had a incredible soliloquy on this all. Uh, but here's, what's interesting. Like, I feel like I'm a decent gauge of Packer fans considering, you know, well, two years, you know, I was on the beat two years ago when I did that story. It's, it's a lot of reaction all over the board. I'll oh. tell you, it, I'd say it's about 80, 20, like pro green Bay right now. Like they, they're kind of fed up. Like you, you get, you can feel it. You can sense it. I think it was that, that Gutekind's report because immediately you saw some of those, sur- those surrogates, you know, Oh, he, well, he didn't say fire Goody. He said, you know, it'd be, it'd be tough for him to be like, get the, get the hell out of here. Like get the hell out of here. Word, like wording matters. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that I find that fast as somebody in the media, the messaging, the messaging is so fascinating. And I kind of feel bad for the Packers and Brian Gutekinds and Matt, Le- like they, like, I'm sure there's a lot they want to say. There's a lot they want to say. And they're just not going to do it. Like, they've lost that battle in sports and media. But that, the beauty of the Packers fan is, like, they love that G on the side of the helmet more than anything. Um, we'll see how it ends. Here's the thing, though, Jim. Like, I really thought that Aaron Rodgers, okay, he, he cares so much about the narrative, right? Very, very deeply, the narrative of his career. Um, and I thought that he would never take it to this point. I really, because of that potential backlash with Packer fans. I mean, these are the fans that worship him. They love him. Like he's maybe the best quarterback in franchise history. Um, But, but I think he, he's buddied up with Brett Favre. You know, they, they weren't friends before. They're friends now. He saw how Brett Favre literally played for the Minnesota Vikings, went to Lambeau. They booed him like crazy. They, I mean, he was public enemy number one. Like, it was unbelievable. And then he saw them retire number four a couple years later. They saw He saw Brett Favre return to Lambeau Field as a conquering hero. Packers Hall of Fame, the middle of summer. They fill up that stadium. They're cheering him on. So he knows, like, eventually, like, anybody hey, anybody who's, like, hating on him right now, like, he'll get those people back. He'll be, he's not worried about that. Long-term legacy, all that will be fine. Um so I, that that's why I think Jim he is dug in. If he wants something, he's gonna get it right now. It's gonna be it's. I just man, I would love to just. I would love, even though I wouldn't want to get rid of him. God, I'd love to see what teams are offering. Wouldn't that be fun? Just, yeah, it would be his. It would be historic. 
what would you give up? All right. Yeah. Like, like, so if I'm the Saints. You know, I haven't heard the Saints because it's an NFC team. I feel, I just, like, I feel like they ship I, them to the AFC like they did far. Right? You're probably right. So let's go AFC. Um, I know Miami has some big-time picks the next couple years. You could package the Saints might. I mean, to your point, they, they no. Might, they might that would be up to more. Green Bay. Would Green Bay take the best offer or best offer from an AFC team? That would be something they would have to decide because Green Bay, if you're going to get rid of them, this is you're, this is going to be how you're remembered. <laughs> like if you're good at kissing the floor, yeah. you're the ones that just traded Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah, but they, you know, that's the thing though. Like, you know, when you draft Jordan Love, like it's gonna get to this point. It just came sooner than well, they thought. Yeah, I, I guess you do, or you you drafted him thinking Aaron's a professional and he's under contract. He's, you know, we're good. We have a good team around him. Like, I, you know, it's a hard one. This is a hard one because this is this hasn't been like this in the NFL before, where you didn't have to worry about a player kind of you know, clapping back on you and saying, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, get rid of me. Like, that just that hasn't happened before. Like, to this extent where and Russell Wilson, he's, it, it's just amazing that we're in this era now in the NFL. So it's new for a lot of these front offices and coaches to handle this because if you're under contract in the NFL, usually that meant you're under contract. So this is good. This is good drama. But do you think, that, to segue a little bit, do you think that's why the Green Bay draft room fist bumps weren't as animated and physical as some of the, you know, the Detroit Lions and oh, yeah. some of the, some of the teams we've been studying, the Eagles, um, the Bills had an awkward one. Do you think Green Bay was kind of really like, man, this is great, but we got bigger things to worry about right now. Like we're not, we, we, we can't fist bump on these picks. We need to figure out what the hell we're doing with our quarterback. Well, with, with, I mean, yes. And when they came, that back why it was for, a morgue? Is that you said it was yeah, like a morgue? Yeah, it, it might have been exaggeration, but like it didn't look, it didn't look that they weren't, chipper. they weren't, they weren't hugging and. But because they, they kind of went over the top, I want to say day two when they panned uh, to the draft room, like they were it was like it was way, way optimistic. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot to dissect here on the game film. You know, when when a player is drafted and. <laughs> You know, these GMs and head coaches on every team, you know, they know those cameras are in there. You've been in that position, Jim. You've, you've been in those shoes. That's your, t- that, that's your time to shine. Oh, your, get ESPN, out of it. They, so, they got that camera on you. You just drafted a player. You kind of, you know, yep. loosen the shoulders up. And, you know, you get you, you clench the fingers up into a ball, and then you go in for the fist bump. So you got to be careful. Um, know where the cameras are. Know where you're sitting. Know what you're going to be. Golf clap is the way to go. Um, golf clap to me is the way to go. Just keep it reserved. You know, act like you've been there before because you don't want to get caught like the Arizona Cardinals did when I watched Jason Light and Harry um, McDonough uh, way back in the day, Steve Kime. They drafted Jonathan Cooper oh. from North Carolina, a guard. I think it was the sixth pick of the draft. And I was scouting the Southeast back then, and I was sitting – I was in the Saints. You know, we're in the draft from the Saints, and they drafted this guard center with the sixth pick of the draft. And they were fist bumping and celebrating and hugging. 
And I just remember looking at my friend next to me, my scout friend, you know, the Saints. And I was like, how do you fist bump on a guy you just missed on? Like, you, you, this guy's a guard. He was a squatty guard center. You could find him anywhere. And they were going crazy. Like, they just turned their franchise around. And I remember that to this day. I don't remember what year. I'd have to look at the year, but I remember I saying, got it. Yep. okay. And I was like, I will, I don't want to get caught like that. So when we drafted Sammy, you know, that was the first time I was like, okay, I know I'm going to be on camera right now. Like you, when you're an area scout, you're off, you're behind. Yeah. When you're, you know, on the table, that's where the camera is. And I remember we traded up and we drafted Sammy. I was, it was hard. There were there were some people celebrating pretty hard in our room. I remember doing the best I could to golf clap. Um, I think I maybe hugged some uh, somebody came in for a little hug and I was I was didn't go overboard. I felt like I did a good job because I was still scared. I was like I don't know. I don't know if this is the greatest move, but man, you got to make sure you're aware of it. And my my man Brad Holmes in Detroit, the GM who I used to scout in the southeast with. You know I've known him for a long time and. I hope that Oregon tackled. I hope he's as good as he was hugging, you know, Man Campbell and all those guys. They were hugging it <laughs> up in Detroit. Non kneecaps. Yeah, and I, like for an offensive tackle from Oregon, who I've watched, and there is no question he's talented, but he does have some flaws in his game, and and things are going to get a little tougher for him. So I just you got to be careful. You just got to be careful on draft day celebrations. Because Justin Fields, who they could have drafted, is. Now in the NFC North too. So they so. said, they said that they had, if they had a quarterback graded ahead of um, Sewell from Oregon, the tackle they drafted, then they would have looked at quarterback possibly. But they didn't have anybody graded higher than him, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Always highest graded guy. The board was that. Are you shitting me? You didn't have Justin Fields graded ahead of a. Offensive tackle from Oregon? I'm sorry, but that's – how's the media not digging into that? You know what's weird? I'm Detroit, if I'm the Detroit media, I'm saying, hold up. You're telling me you had Sewell higher than Justin Fields on your draft board? I feel like it's almost like people want to feel smart, you know, yeah. and analytics, and I know I know this game. But like the Cincinnati pick, I love that they took Jamar Chase ahead of Sewell. Like get get Joe Burrow his weapon from LSU. Like let him go, let him go to work. You, you'll figure out the offensive line. Like they, they can figure that out. Like how many elite left elite 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 left tackles were, have there been? You know, on, or how have been drafted um, in the top five on winning teams? Joe Thomas might be one of the best ever. That he, he lost. There it time. is. That's what I was just gonna say. You, you take you you get Joe Thomas and it doesn't ever help your team. No, it doesn't mean he wasn't the greatest left tackle in the league. He was. And that's if you but hit that. They, they hit that pick. You hit the pick. You hit didn't the help. bullseye, didn't and help. it didn't help you at all. I mean, I get it. It's an important position, but, like. So, to me, Cincinnati, to me, man. everybody wanted, okay, you want to protect Joe Burrow because he got hurt this year. But the bottom line is, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, you got the right. Joe Burrow's a stud. Like, he's, he, you got your quarterback. So you either can take you can take a left tackle or a receiver. It's just like we were saying with the Bills. Once your quarterback's in place, take whoever your favorite player is. Detroit has Jared Goff, and you're you're basically telling the world that you think Goff is better than Justin Fields. 
That's a tough sell for me. 2013 NFL draft is when Jonathan Cooper was taken seventh overall by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he I could find it. I'm telling you, he played for Arizona, New England, Cleveland, Dallas, San Francisco, Washington, and Oakland between 13 and 19. Before he was done, he started 31 games in his career. Jim, that that draft. So you were still in New Orleans. I was. In, that was my last draft. Your last in New Orleans. draft, like that. Yep. So. You know, everybody loves to kind of get history mixed up. I mean, Doug Whaley was in Buffalo. Buddy Nix was the GM. Buddy Nix drafted EJ Manuel okay. that year, 16th overall. Bales, done. Doug's promoted. One of his first phone calls is to you to be his right-hand man. Yep. And you're like, uh, all right. Abs- I mean, I mean, you're, obviously you're jumping at the job. I'm saying the jumping, EJ. Jumping, you're jumping. Awesome. But I just, I you know, we talked to him. I always was like, and here we go, because I knew we had to, right? You know, well, hold your breath, because you, when you when you invest that high of a pick in a quarterback, you're going to either build around him, or you're going to be out. That draft, though, I mean, historically terrible. That draft, thirteen. I mean, oh, have you? I mean, if you looked at, um, let me just rattle off the first. Go ahead. Like, I remember this. Go ahead. Sixteen picks. Up to, we'll go up yeah. to EJ. Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Deion Jordan, Lane Johnson, that's a hit. Ezekiel Ansa, Barkevius Mingo, Jonathan Cooper, Tavon Austin, D. Milliner, Chance Warmack, DJ Fluker, DJ Hayden, Sheldon Richardson, Star Latulale, Kenny Vaccaro, EJ Manuel, Jarvis Jones. What a I mean horrendous. Horrendous. That's a, that that's historically Yeah, that's historic. That's rough. That's rough. Usually you can find like four or five names in those top 15. Usually four or five names jump out like, damn, that guy was good, good. You might name, you said Fisher, was a, he's a good player. First overall, um, Michigan. I, who else did you, I don't know if I heard any other name that jumped out at. I mean, I guess, I, I guess, you know, Lane Johnson. Lane's, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Lane's good. You yeah. called that one. Those two are good. Yep. Sheldon Richardson, but he's been on oh, a few teams. Good player, good player. Not not changing the game, but good player. Yeah, but I, that was I, a bad draft. I mean, we're we're kind of running running low on time here, though, Jim. I mean, we got to hit on the Bills. Um, so I'm gonna I, go I, crack I, open a beer. So you just you know you set the stage. We'll so I thought it'd be we'll good to get another hamburger here. to spend some time watching these offensive linemen they drafted. I was kind of excited to look at them. So I was able to look at um, Spencer Brown and uh, Doyle from Miami of Ohio. And they took two guys that are certainly developmental um, and, and show traits. Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, when you look at his pro day numbers, are kind of off the charts. I mean, he really tested off the charts. The issue you have when you put the tape on with Spencer Brown is – the only game I, the only game you really judged him on was Iowa State. Um, that was his best competition in, in 19, and he showed some good things. He is tough. He plays hard. He gets after it, but he is his pro day numbers don't necessarily match the tape. Where he does fall over himself a little bit. He's tall. He gets a little bit tangled up. He gets guys get under him. It gets in awkward positions, you know. But he's so tough and he fights. And there is developmental quality there, but. 
I wouldn't expect him to play much for the Bills this year. He looked he looked a ways away from me. But the toughness was there, the nastiness was there, and and tough nasty guys on the offensive line have a way of sticking. So that pick didn't look terrible to me at third round, um, but he certainly has a ways to go. Miami of Ohio, uh, Doyle. Is it Doyle or Boyle? I always Doyle rules. No O. I know. Doyle. That's why I was getting confused. He He's a lesser talent than Spencer Brown as far as what he can do, um, but certainly had the toughness and got after it. But athletically, I thought he struggled with some things. Both of them really struggled to stay on blocks. They fell off a lot, um, struggled to adjust in space. I just thought both those guys are really developmental guys that I get it. Hey, if you feel like you see the, the traits, they spent time with these players, the scouts spent time with these players, if they're smart, tough, and nasty, they have a chance. But I wouldn't expect a major impact from either one of them, you know, here right away. So I, I kind of just watched those guys. I didn't watch those first two defensive ends. Uh, yet I, I am kind of looking forward to watching him a little bit more to see. But um, And you know the Houston receiver um, probably more than I do, actually, as far as what they got there. It sounds like, from what everybody says, it's going to be a battle between he and uh, McKenzie, who you, you did a story on, too. So you, you got that position covered. So <laughs> I'll have to ask you who's going to win that battle. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean Marquez Stevenson um, just did a, an incredible story. I'm coming from Shreveport. Louisiana, if, if folks want to read his story, it's up there on golongtd.com. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of talent that's come out of Shreveport. I mean, Devin White, maybe he was the best player in the Super Bowl this past year. But I, Marquez really broke it down on, on how you know, he really made a choice at about five, six years old to, to, to go one direction when he could have gone the other direction. So many of his friends dead in jail, what have you. He brought up one story where he was at a party in high school and just bullets started flying. He didn't know where they were going. And he started running. He didn't know if he was going toward the bullets or away from the bullets. He just went toward his friend's car, literally jumped through the passenger window of the car, and his friend drives off. So he had a close call of his own. Um, but the story is, is as much about his just raw speed and the making of that 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 speed and how it's different. Because, you know, his 40 was good. I mean, 4-4-5. His three-cone time, Jim, is in the 100th percentile NFL history. Like, historically. What did, do you have it in front of you or no? Yeah. No, it's okay. His, Don't worry no, about it. No, Don't no, worry about it. Sorry. I'll, no, I want to get your perspective. I, I want to know if it's good. There's only one guy that ever stands out to me in the three-cone, Joe, that I remember. Uh, D'Angelo Hall, Virginia Tech. That's right. I couldn't like that was when I thought I missed it, you know, my stopwatch. I was like, wait, I think I was fast, and you kind of, that's when I told you we all compare times, and everybody's like, no, nah, it was it. He, uh, it was like six two, it was something I'd never even thought. It was I'd six see. six four six. So that's insane. Wide, no, that's wide, for a wide receiver. Yeah, that's insane. That's big time. Um, let me just pull it up here. So that was yeah the one hundredth percentile. In the three cone drill, he was in the 68th percentile in the short shuttle. I mean, yeah, there, there, there's so much speed to work with there, and to get him in the sixth round, I mean, man, you know, when we were hanging out uh, down in down in Florida, so I took a trip. This was back in March, as we talked about on here. I mean, so many NFL mm-hmm. players they either go to Phoenix or they go to Miami. So Good. went to Miami for a week, got a bunch of stories. Still going to get to a couple of them at at go long. Um, but we were we, we got lunch, got some chicken wings, which 
I regret even tweeting it out because I mean people from Buffalo are nuts about this, but he he got him with ranch. Like lay off, it's okay. He can eat his wings with ranch. Did no sauce, and it was funny, Jim. I go, uh, it, we're sitting there. I'm like, look, I'm from Buffalo, and if you, t- if you tell anybody, if you, I said if the Bills draft you and you tell anybody that you got ranch with your wings, like you will be a pariah. Like they are going to come after you. I told, I told him to stir up Eric Stryker, um, Oklahoma linebacker. I mean, I think he had a tweet about the blue cheese. What's the big deal? And everybody was after him. So he was, and he kind of laughed. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. They don't have, the, they don't have ranch. They don't have ranch in Buffalo. He was like legitimately worried. Like that wasn't an option. I said, no, that's an option. Like you, you can get it. You can get ranch in Buffalo, but you will be, you know, burnt at the stake like it, it it's mm. there'll be some repercussions for that uh but when we were hanging out like at his training complex a house of athletes like a freaking palace down there brandon marshall i think he founded it um chad hall the wide receiver coach oh yeah, Bills, yeah. shot him a text and um he just kind of showed his phone to me real quick i didn't read it but like it was a really really long text uh kind of a novel so i'm thinking oh well, the bills are kind of interested here the Packers were interested. I know that, and the Bills were able to get them. God, what sixth round? Like what overall here? I got it in front of me. It was two hundred and three overall. I mean, to get a talent like that, I mean, he when he was healthy, so he he broke his collarbone. He gets back to spring ball, then tears his ACL. So his first two years, he was he was out basically. When he got healthy, I mean, nobody could keep up with him. He he could fly. So. I think it's a steal. I mean, hey, we it'll be interesting. We we love Isaiah well, McKenzie on this on this podcast, but that, that'd be here's a the best thing, Tyler. At least we're not caught on camera too, when they drafted him. We weren't caught together fist bumping or anything on that pick because let's just let it play out. <laughs> that, that's the lesson. That's what everybody needs to let all this play out. Let it all well, play hey, out. Hey, speaking of fist bumps, you know we gotta we gotta call some balls and strikes here. Let's let's not forget here in Buffalo. You know. Um, when when T.J. Hawkinson was drafted by the Detroit Lions, the the Bills War Room video it caught Brandon Bean in a pretty aggressive fist fist bump. I mean, it was a solo clenched fist. I mean, he wasn't bumping it. I, I, if I remember right, it was a solo bump into the air, head tilted in the air, very satisfied that the Lions were taking Hawkinson and that they would get Ed Oliver. So if I'm Hawkinson, I'm watching that. I'm thinking, oh, come on, man. Like, what's going on here? Am I that bad? Well, who's had the better career so far? I mean, I think you'd have to say Hawkinson. Like, it's, I would say so. It's a make or break year for Ed Oliver. Like, yeah, that's a top ten pick. Got to be careful. Careful fist bumping. And they they take two more D linemen high. You got to get some production. I mean, you you've taken a lot of D linemen. We talked about it. I think. You know, there's a reason I'm not in an NFL front office. You should be. I should not be. But if if I was, um, and I'm looking at the Bud Dupree's of the world, and I'm looking at the Matt Judons of the world, and it's, who else was there? I mean, Yannick Ngakwe. Like, well, I think you're you know, what you're saying is 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 about to be the story of the Bills, where this season will be if they aren't getting pressure on the other team's quarterback. They've invested and invested in that defensive line. They have. I think they get Star back this year, correct? He's coming back. It's true. Yeah. So they've they've certainly invested in getting to the quarterback, and now they got to prove it. And you know, the, the, 
we'll fi- we'll find out soon enough. It's I, I hate I don't want to sit here and say these guys aren't the picks they made aren't good because they're they got to play. So let's watch them all play and make our judgments. But the guys they have brought in and played aren't necessarily getting to the quarterback that well. So you know Edmonds, the linebacker, we've talked about him. He doesn't impact the quarterback. I don't I don't notice it. Ed Oliver hasn't done it. So those are high picks. They're still banking on Jerry Hughes, you know, playing his ass off like he does every play. Yeah. So I, I, I will say that let's just give this time and let it, is Espinenza going to take a step up? And... Well, I mean, that's the thing. And I want to get your perspective on this, Jim. Like what I was going to say is, you know, if you, I'm not going to say they've missed on these picks. It's, it's still no. early. No, it's too early. Oliver can too early. bring. Too early for Espinenza Oliver. can bring. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Harrison Phillips. You kind of know what he is at this point, but nah, you get to this point and it's like, all right, you 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 kind of like it, you've scouted and you've drafted D linemen, and you haven't really you know connected. You know what a Bud Dupree can bring. You know what a Unique Ngakwe can can bring. You know what a Leonard Floyd can bring. That's why when we did a podcast back in free agency, I was saying like, look, just just spend the money. Like just get a dude that you know. I mean, it's proven. Yeah, sure. You you know one of these guys is going to get after Patrick Mahomes. If that means that you lose out on Matt Milano, I, I think that would have been okay. I think you could have maybe gotten by an inside linebacker with a third-round pick, a fourth, and whatever. But, I mean, hey, like I said, I'm not in a front office. I'm not going to no, like but, that, that. If I was running, maybe that's the order of operations I would have gone. That because members, can they scout uh, this player? You know, we don't know. Well, and that we when we talked about that in free agency, when they didn't address the edge in free agency, first thing we said was, okay, they actually they like the guys they have. Let's see what they do in the draft. Well, they show what they did in the draft. They went edge edge, first two rounds. So they did want to address it. They didn't want they 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 felt like they didn't need to overspend in free agency for anybody. Let's address it in the draft, and they did so. You know, let's let's wait and see. You got to let it play out. You do to your point. You got to let it play out. And guys do get better, but um, they have they have they have invested a lot in this D line, and I think this will be a very very telling year for them to see are they hitting. You know, have they been correct or not? They did the right thing. I mean, you have oh no doubt. I like what they did. Yeah, I like what they did. I like what they did. D line. They did some O line. It's that's I'm good with that. Gregory or they Rus- just took, or or Tyler, they just took the highest player on their board. <laughs> As we know, is the number one phrase on draft press conferences. We should change the name of this podcast to the best available like, podcast, or highest player. Hey, it, was or, the, it was the highest podcast on your board. Highest you guy. Think, highest you gotta listen to board. it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's almost scary. Like it almost as a media guy, Tyler, like. Does it make you not want to ever attend a draft press conference ever again in your life? It's it's remarkable. I mean, how can you say that with a straight face as a general yeah. manager? It's got to be yeah. tough, right? I mean, it's hard. Ima- imagine if you are legitimately pissed off, like, son of a bitch. Like, mm-hmm. we missed out on this player and that player. Like, damn it. Like, And then you got to go to the podium or – I guess they can get. They're doing zooms now. God, let, let's hope we get back in the person for interviews. Like it's it's time. Like it's I wasn't time. happy when we took uh, Jonathan Williams, the running back from Arkansas. I didn't like that pick. Is that right? And I had to talk about it, and 
I was I would, just like, I would have been there too. I, I remember you coming out. Made, and I, I remember I was like, oh, he runs downhill. He runs hard. I didn't talk about that. He fumbled a lot and was injured and can't make anybody miss. And I, but that pick wasn't, I wasn't a, a huge fan of that pick, but I had to, you know, you support it and you go out in the press conference and you hype them up. Yeah, that was one of the players I was kind of bummed out that didn't pan out. I, I really liked him. Just, he's a, he's a, he's a he's tough, loves football, yeah. high character. I mean, he really was. Like, he he is. Like, it wasn't that he couldn't play. It was just, you know, I'm not a, you know, we've talked about running backs. I don't get, you know. I'm just, we got a wings at Swanee House with Thurman Thomas for a story at the Buffalo News when I was there. It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I live right a block from Swanee House, and I still have never been there. Do I need to go there? Yes, yes. They, Wait, I got one question for you. I saw it on rings. I will. I'm going to go there and try it. I, I've been – I wanted to ask you this. I saw this question on Twitter today. I wanted to ask I, – I loved it. And I, it was from um, Rivals, um, Rivals' Twitter account. It was, the question was, who's the best player you ever saw in high school? That You saw him play in high school. Mm. And mine was – I had a quick answer. Mine was easy. I saw Shady McCoy because he was from my high school in Harrisburg, PA, play as a junior in high school, and it was the first round of the playoffs. And, and Central PA, it's, it's good football. It's really good football. It was quad A, so it's, you know, it's it's good level. Um, he had – Tyler was insane. I got to look it up, but I'm pretty sure he had over 500 total yards. It was – like my friends kept telling me I had to come back and watch him, and I was in town. It was near Thanksgiving. I can't remember the exact details why I was in town. I think it was near Thanksgiving. Why it was high school playoffs? It was, it was incredible. Like yeah. just watching it. So that was the question. So do you have anybody? Did you ever see anybody play in high school that was a great? Ended up being great. I, I love that question. Yeah, I, I remember we were. In little class D, I would play at Ellicottville, you know, down yeah. in the southern tier, obviously. I mean, and we had a good team. I mean, my 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade year, we, we went to Ralph Wilson Stadium, and we won my junior year. Quarter, starting quarterback the last two years, backup quarterback as a 9th grader and a 10th grader. And when That's I was in, cool. When I was in 9th grade, um, so I didn't see the field much, you know, our starting quarterback yeah, stayed no, all through yeah. the whole year. But we played at Climber. And Jehu Kalkrick. Do you remember the Nigerian nightmare? So he had no business playing in Class D. None. I mean, his thighs were tree trunks. And I just remember, I can vividly remember playing at Climber, standing on the sideline, just praying and hoping that nobody got hurt. Because I was also like, I think I was like a backup safety at that point. Like, nobody get hurt because I don't want any business tackling this guy. Like, he's, he's like 240, 250. Straight muscle, just massive human, and can move. I mean, in climber, like it's class D. Like these fields, like the grass is high. Like they even mow it. Like it was just he just died. I mean, he he'd run for three hundred, four hundred yards a game, unbelievable. And, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, if they're local, they remember him. I mean, he went to Michigan State. He scored over like twenty touchdowns in the season, I think. I remember. He, he played, I do remember the for a little bit. He went to the I NFL. was gonna say I remember Michigan State a little bit when you said that name. I, I that name I was not expecting to hear though. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, and he's I, I believe he's the head coach at Southwestern High School now in football. Cool. So we got you know what? Let's get him on the podcast. Let's talk about it. That'd be fun. We should. That'd be a good one. Yeah, definitely. Like if you were around Western New York, uh, you and you 
played football anywhere from oh two oh three to oh five oh six. Like I mean, he was unbelievable. But yeah, like didn't want to get into that game. You know, that'd be a lot, a lot of arm tackles, a lot of lunging, a lot of diving, not a lot of uh, sticking your head into uh, kneecaps. No. Not on them like Dan Campbell wants you to. I can't we can't all be Dan? Did you get your draft grades done, Jim? You got it done. I'm gonna ask you. That's the other thing we need to address. What's worse, mock drafts or draft grades? We got that. We have so many good. We've hit on some good things on this draft. I'm gonna, got, yeah. Mocks are awful. Draft grades are, might be worse. And the fist bumping is just insane. Yeah. So. I'm gonna say if I'm gonna power rank them. You know, can we can we throw power rankings into the power ranking of this all? Because power oh, rankings like are pretty terrible. I saw power a head rank. I saw a headline today that said Bills move up in the power rankings. Like what? <laughs> what okay, like your rankings of the teams? Like what what does that even mean? Oh, it's just like when they bump, you know, Trey Lance just skyrocketed past you know, at the end of the day, Trey Trey Lance just skyrocketed. Play, just moved right past play, him. Didn't play football this year. Played at North Dakota State, and just for some reason, he just had such a good. He, he just took over Alabama's quarterback and Ohio State's quarterback. Think about well, that. Well, think about it. Between, I'd say, between about March 29th and April 29th, I'd say he he focused on lower body in the weight room and, instead of upper body, and you know the. That was really what moved his stock. You know, he actually changed his music in the weight room too, Jim. He stopped listening to Metallica and moved it to uh, ACDC. So that, that move is what really made his stock skyrocket. I would love to ask uh, Saban at Alabama and Ryan Day at Ohio State. You guys had all tried to get Trey Lance, you know, to your school at any point. Or were you guys okay with Mac Jones and, and Justin? Yeah, okay, I know the answer. So I, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it's crazy to think how he just he didn't even play football this year. Yeah. And and played at the FCS level, and nobody and everybody in the NFL thinks he's better than Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And if he is, hey Shanahan, credit to you and John Lynch. You guys saw it, nobody else did, but man. I'm just saying, like, how ridiculous it is on stock up, stock up. Oh, I, no, I'm you with know, you. I don't but, understand how, like, what did he ever do yeah, to, yeah. to I mean, go ahead of those guys? You're talking about Bama, and why is Justin Lawrence, why is everything he did at Clemson's fine, but what Justin Fields and Mac Jones did wasn't fine? I don't I don't get it. I don't either. I mean, it's yeah, – I don't get I mean, it. He's got the traits, I, I get. I, I don't know. I, I don't I, know, I, does I he? a hard opinion. I did. I did a little too much. It's not that I don't think Trey Lance can be good. He certainly can be good. And everything you hear about his work ethic and toughness and character says he's going to be, have a chance to be successful. But God, if you're evaluating tape, it's right in front of you. It is. I mean, you've, you know, our listeners have heard your perspective on Justin Fields week in and week out. And guess what? He might be, and, and he might, if he's not good, hey, he's gonna need Allen Robinson out there on the field. I that's hey, that's a good one. Let's get him on the podcast. I I, I got to check in with Allen. I'm not sure 
where he's at with everything. I mean, last we talked, it was pre-tag, and it was very, if they tag me, it's going to get real. They tagged him. Is Justin Fields' presence enough for Allen Robinson to want to play, be a happy camper? I think it will be. I think it will be, too. I don't think he has many options. I don't either. That's why I think it will be. Yeah. Well, nothing like ended on a on – a That was good, though. I like that high school. Was yeah, that was great. Player, so, yeah. That was great. Man, well, and let us know, everybody. I mean, we want to we want to meet our listeners, our subscribers. Um, let's get together at Hamburg Brewing. I just love that the world's opening up a little bit here. It, it's it's great. It's great to see. Coming back. It's great to interact. We're coming back. And uh, thank you, everybody, for subscribing to my newsletter at Go Along. It, it was great to see a lot of newcomers get on board this past week for the extravaganza. Let's keep it going. We're going to have a lot of stories up, a lot more podcasts coming, a lot of Zoom happy hours rolling, and a lot of Hamburg Brewing beers to be had, Jim. I, I, I don't, you haven't really been drinking much this podcast, though. So. Dude, I've had a long day, though. I've been going strong. Yeah. Good, good. You're two, on. Lakeview, two Lakeview loggers and a couple before we started. So I... Thanks so much, everybody.